This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. So imagine a cybersecurity company faking a computer hack against your company, and then extorting you and your company to buy its cybersecurity services. Now, imagine you refuse to be coerced, so this company lets the U.S. Federal Trade Commission know about the hack. Then the FTC gives you two choices, both of them bad. You can cop a plea, which will utterly destroy your company's reputation, even though you and your company were victimized, the second choice is to fight it in court. Good luck. You may be able to fight City Hall, but try taking on a huge and powerful federal agency with very, very, very deep pockets. Forget it. Well, this all happened, but not just to one company. The company that was utilizing this mafia-style shakedown is called Taversa. And among their highly decorated board members is former NATO commander, U.S. General Wesley Clark. That name should sound familiar. But wait, it gets worse. Tyversa, a privately owned company, is partnering with the U.S. federal government, the Department of Homeland Security, to shake down other companies. Why is this happening? How can this happen? Michael Doherty is the small business owner who created LabMD, a cancer detection center in Atlanta, Georgia, which became a victim of these governmental practices. And he'll join me shortly. Second hour, Matt Landman, activist, researcher, speaker, and filmmaker. His documentary is called Frankenskies, and we'll talk geoengineering and chemtrails. All right, let me introduce the boys in the band. Behind the uh, big audio board on the Flying V Gibson guitar technical producer Ian Robertson. Here in studio with me on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin. 
the mysterious, the idiosyncratic Albert Vinzel. And uh, finally, my story producer. Uh, sorry, he is my story producer, Albert is. And uh, last but not least, on the Hammond B3 live YouTube stream producer, Ryan White. Gents, thanks uh, for all you do. Uh, next week on the program, Preston Dennett will be here. He has a brand new book, Undersea UFO Bases, and a psychic Angela Thomas. All right, let's uh, talk about this cybersecurity shakedown that's taking place, apparently under the auspices of the U.S. federal government. And the U.S. federal government, who knows, maybe the same thing going on up here, has been watching your workstation longer than you think. Small business owner Michael J. Doherty is fighting back against U.S. government's sinister surveillance tactics in his book, The Devil Inside the Beltway, the shocking expose of the U.S. government's surveillance and overreach into cybersecurity, medicine, and small business. Michael, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm uh, well, and uh, that was uh, one of the best and most concise summaries I've ever heard. Congratulations. Well, you know, <laughs> how refreshing. <laughs> a lot of people raise their eyebrows when they hear the word conspiracy, or maybe they just mm-hmm. back out of the room slowly. I get a lot of that at Christmas parties. Uh, but this is a real live conspiracy, isn't it? Well, it, it has been actually the file was stolen 10 years ago last month. And if you would have told me my life would do like this crazy turnabout and I'm still talking about this and fighting it. I mean, it's really a sad state of affairs because it's all true. What it took for people to believe it is terrifying because I think 99% of people couldn't go through or or do what I got done um, because of resources, networking, time, position in life, you know, motivation. Uh, if this wouldn't have happened to a cancer detection center, I wouldn't have fought it. Right, but it is such the healthcare. So it is. Uh, it's unbelievable that it's that you're accused of being a conspiracy theorist, and then it turns out you're not, and and that's even more terrifying. So take us back um, again, just to give us a little explanation about what Lab MD in uh, in Atlanta, what you did there, and then why you were targeted and how you were targeted. Well, we have, I, I worked, I have a degree in economics, but I worked in medicine for years and surgery as a device rep. I founded LabMD as a medical laboratory because all of my clients had frustrations. I worked so close to them in the operating room that I understood exactly what they needed. I created it and built a very successful company. And it was a cancer diagnostic uh, laboratory with top pathologists and top software. And those two combinations made for quite a formidable um company in a real niche of just prostate cancer and a target apparently and a target apparently well that's a random thing because everyone was a target by this company if they had valuable information that could be leveraged against them which would be banks um medical um you know military government anything that that was that that turned out so it wasn't a People often ask, what did you do to get someone so mad at you? And and, and really nothing. I, it really was a lottery. And then it was the rare situation where the government got involved. And because this is really a story about government incompetency. And then they get corrupt when they try to cover up how utterly stupid and damaging they are. Right. And then they, they show such outrageous behavior. I mean, and then... 
the tragedy overarching all of this is, and we're seeing this so much more now. I mean, five years ago when I was saying this, people were like looking askance at me like, what's up with you? But it, what's even worse now is that some people actually do believe it and do understand it, that we are seeing so much corruption at the top. So many people, uh, you know, um, what I call the, they, they exploit our patriotism. They violate our trust. They um, they really box themselves in a corner so that they, they lose their whole careers. So they, you know, once they're tainted, they're tainted, and it just goes on and on. Yeah, corruption and, and incompetence is a is a deadly combination, and uh, they become, with those two sort of arrows in their quiver, if I can use that term, they become a public menace. Now, take us back, though. How did this, how did this happen? Uh, Literally, how did you find out? We, had, we were debt-free, profitable, growing, 40 employees, 700,000 patients in the database, and, uh, and again, we're a medical laboratory, so only that comes in the laboratory is like, you know, jars of tissue of patients and blood and urine from their doctors around the United States. 26,000 square feet, beautiful lab in Atlanta. Phone rings, the guy named Robert Bobick, 2008. He says, I, uh, I run a, a, a cyber mediation company. Oh, we're here to help. Just wanted you to know, we found one file with 9,000 of your patients out in cyberspace. I said, how'd you find it? Prove it. He sent the file, and he said, we suspect that you must have some peer-to-peer software somewhere in your company because we do that type of search, and we found it now in cyberspace. If you'd like to use this to remediate it, we suggest you do it the sooner the better, because the longer it's out there, the more it multiplies, the more it spreads. I asked him what's the IP address, and he wouldn't tell us a thing unless we hired him. Now, you have to understand, in medicine, that's not how we roll. Patients are first. You don't even, you know, and so, and, and we're so drilled with HIPAA. All I know is I've got a total stranger who's giving me no proof that's got our file. He's giving me no proof that he didn't break in and take it. And, my, I, and, and since our differentiation of the company against these massive corporations was our IT expertise, I had four full-time people that thought this guy was nuts. They're all tech people. Said it wasn't possible. So we went out on the networks. We couldn't find the file anywhere. I, I made this guy talk in email, uh, which is very documented in the book, so people can make their own opinion uh, of how he worked and not have to listen to me, but they can read the emails themselves. And he, we, he just got upset when I wouldn't hire him. And then he, and he had his lawyer call us and say he's going to turn us over to the feds. And I had no idea the feds operated like this because the feds we work with used to be uh, really great, um, you know, uh, practitioners. I mean, in medical regulatory, in lab, they were pathologists and technologists. So I didn't have an experience of these politicized lawyers with no education what they're regulating. So I was naive. And uh, two years later, in 2010, the FTC started investigating us. This and is the federal, the federal Trade Commission, and the Federal Trade Commission, I mean, their mission is supposed to be protecting consumers. Right, and that's what they think. And this is, this is their justification for everything they do. This is the irony. It's we need, to go, we need to go after people because we're protecting the consumer. And they will repeat that ad nauseum like a mantra, and that is a just, and that's some sort of justification for their outrageous, behavior. And in my instance, it's so terrifying. It was actually off-putting the people to listen to the story because they'd get so scared that you would have an agency with no health care training, with no cancer diagnostic training, with clearly no technology training, 
come in in a self-righteous manner and just utterly destroy the company from within with relentless investigation. And when the government's investigating you, and the press broke it in 2012 so that the employees all knew and they get afraid for their own job security, um, the government wins when you're only accused, not proven guilty. Right. Just the accusation raises doubt. And people run because they don't want to lose their jobs when they have time. They find jobs elsewhere. And we welcome to justice in the welcome to justice in the twenty first century. Uh, right. Michael Doherty is with us. The devil inside the Beltway. So, at what? So, let's just um, sort of back up here a little minute, uh, a moment. So, this cybersecurity firm, uh, Tyversa, um, did they actually break in, or did they just did they did they fake it, or did they actually breach your security? We found out, uh, after I wrote the book, a whistleblower came out, and it was a guy that actually stole the file. So in 2014, after fighting this for years and then being in court, a whistleblower called and said, I stole it. We come in and took the file. It was never found out in cyberspace. That's a lie. We, we've been working with the FBI in Pittsburgh. In that work, we have been stealing metadata unbeknownst to the FBI, and then we break in to corporations and take files, uh, alter the files to make it look like they're on cyberspace, call the company, tell them they're out in cyberspace. The FCC believed that lie, never vetted the evidence, and went after a bunch of companies. It's all a lie. Now, how did... uh, they, and, and, and it's really, the, the data was never out there. Therefore, it was never spreading. Therefore, when we get hired to fix it, it looks like we're miraculous because there's nothing really to fix. So again, this is, and, this is totally sort of a mafia-style shakedown operation. But here's the yep. thing. Tyversa has, as I mentioned off the top, some pretty highly decorated uh, individuals sitting on their board of directors, including the former commander of NATO, Wesley Clark. Yeah, it's the advisory board, which is even the board of directors, but the okay. is more a little more protected. And the advisory board had Wesley Clark, at the time Obama's head of cyber for the White House, which was uh, Howard Schmidt. He's passed away about a year, two years ago, and uh, Poneman, among others. And, you know, this is the way the crony game is played. Uh, the other thing about this is this company was founded by Bob, who was a chiropractor. This guy's a chiropractor, and two years later, he's founding a tech company and getting this advisory board and writing about it in the press about how that's the secret to opening Washington. Because All right. you get these big names that think they'll make a fortune on the stock. Michael, i gotta, I got to jump in and take a quick time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into this harrowing story. The devil inside the, bar- the beltway and uh, the victim of this shakedown scam. Michael Doherty is uh, with us, and he stays with us. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Michael Doherty stays with us. The Devil Inside the Beltway. Harrowing tale. His uh, company victimized by a mafia-style shakedown. A company called Tyversa uh, broke into his company's 
database. This was a, a company uh, in the medical field and um, a cancer diagnosis company. Uh, they stole one of the files, then ex- tried to extort this company, saying that your security's been breached and we can offer you a, uh, a quick fix. Uh, when the company refused to be extorted, they were blackmailed. And this company went to the FTC. So the Federal Trade Commission then, Michael, gives you two options, as I pointed out. Which option did you elect? Well, I elected to fight because what they didn't understand is when you're in health care back then, maybe not now, ironically, 9,000 patients leak out in 2010 or 11, people are going to stop using us. Blue Cross loses $86 million, you know, five years later, and no one bats an eye. But for the time, I, I chose to fight because it was the only way we could go down and still educate people. It, uh, if I would have settled, we would have been destroyed, and no one would believe me. Because once you sign, I mean, the, the public is so not interested and so not educated in what they are buried in these contracts. And, and I get that. There's just no much, no time to review it. People don't really understand how vicious these, these, these lawyers are with the government. They are not, um, you know, they're not the military coming to help you. <laughs> and, they're, and they're not people you elect. They are, they are something else. And you lost, essentially. I mean, you ran out of steam, right? You, you ran out of resources. Well, we, 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 that, that's a great one. I say we lost. Lots of people in the media say we won because we won so many legal battles. But the company died. And so I'm really fighting to educate the country and really internationally because this is how they work. I mean, people just don't understand the power that has been given to the agencies since Woodrow Wilson was president because we don't understand how it impacts us. And we're at such a tipping point because between cybersecurity and medicine, the government has entrenched so much power to control those things with people that don't know what the heck they're doing, and, and carnage ensues. And that's why we have so much cybersecurity in defense. We're so vulnerable. It's such a mess. And these people have a culture of no accountability. So they can come pounding down on you. And really, who's going to believe you? I mean, the media barely reports it. Uh, I think we're connecting the dots more now. Uh, but it has to really be um, understood that it's in your self-interest to learn how these agencies operate, not because you're supposed to give me some great funeral or a pat on the back, but that this is your government, and this is how they operate, and this is why you're not safe. Right, and you, you, had, to, <laughs> you, know? you had to let 40 employees go when you shut down, and, all, of course, all of the, the, the cancer patients that were reliant upon your company all destroyed. Practices. Right. So let's talk a little bit about Tyversa. And... and um, did they just go rogue, or is, I mean, they were working alongside the FBI doing some sort of a sting operation? How did this happen? No, it's funny. The, the, it took about a year, uh, but Rick Wallace, who's the guy that came in, um, got criminal immunity from the Justice Department, and he testified in 2015, and he said that they would just take these, this data and they'd manipulate these files. Um, a lot of it still, I mean, it's... It, that company's still around, but they're down to one employee. I mean, it's pretty much as, as, as comatose as you can get. But it was the same game against everybody. They, they you know, these they, people would just believe them because they didn't know. They'd get these contracts. They'd get these relationships. They'd work with the government. The, working with the government was their entree of credibility to, work, to, to get hired by corporations. 
And Daryl Issa got involved, had a congressional investigation, congressional hearings, put out a big report. And basically, the FTC is looking for companies to go after. They call for leads. They used to call the newspaper. You know, now they call the Internet. They, they found this at this hearing when Tyverse was in front of House Commerce and House Oversight, and they started working with them. And, uh, and, and they used to, and, and ISIS said they had a quid pro quo relationship so that the FTC would tell Tyversa who they're investigating. And Tyversa would call them up and then sell them these big packages to, you know, monitor and remediate. And then the, then Tyversa would kick companies over to the FTC to investigate. And it was what the, the Congress called quid pro quo. And it's pretty amazing. There's an entire infrastructure within the country to really protect the government from any criticism uh, because people are afraid of retaliation or they're very pro-government. One of the two issues, it depends on what situation. So this story never really gets out. And, it's, and this happens repeatedly. And, and, um, but, but that's what went on with Tyversa. They're making a boatload of money. And and what was the relationship, if any? I may have been I may have misread this, but I thought there was a relationship between Tyversa and, and the Department of Homeland Security. Well, that relationship was the very beginning. Of what I found out of how they got involved with me, Homeland Security had given twenty four million dollars to Dartmouth, and Dartmouth was doing a study on peer to peer vulnerabilities within the healthcare setting, so that that government funded study was Tyversa was used and their technology was used to go look for files. And so they put a press release out in 2009 that said they're working with the, you know, the Homeland Security funded study with Dartmouth and they are monitoring four and a half million workstations worldwide. They've downloaded 13 million files. They can do X billion searches per day. If that kind of press release would be put out today, it would make the news. That press release put out in 2009, no one understood what it meant. (laughs) So they got away with it. Okay, so the question here for me that jumps out is, given the uh, the testimony of this whistleblower, Richard Wallace, who worked with Tyversa and admitted that they were breaking in, breaching your security, stealing, stealing your files, extorting you and then blackmailing you to the FTC... What is your recourse? Because this is this is um, uh, you know a, what, what, what's the legal term? This type of prosecution uh, that you're getting from oh, the- well, <laughs> persecution through process, uh, retaliation, uh, <laughs> right? Revenge. There's all sorts of, <laughs> uh, but it's very difficult to sue the government. Uh, everyone laughs in D.C. D.C. knows all the rules. Well, they've had a century to build trap doors and loopholes. And so they really smirk at anyone that tries to hold them accountable, including Congress. They smirk at Congress. Uh, I've sued and actually survived the motion to dismiss that got everyone's uh, you know, attention. So we had to go to the Court of Appeals and waiting for the ruling on my suit. Because whenever you sue the government, they get immediate appeal. They have all sorts of favorable legal decisions because it's you know, the, the, the crowd, the swamp, the deep state. Uh, as far as Tyversa goes, well, uh, there's insurance money. We are stuck in, in, in courts in Pennsylvania uh, where it's unbelievable. We are in two different courts, and the judges have not even allowed discovery for almost four years. And so we have no discovery. We are stuck in such a battle. It's, it's I mean, Pennsylvania is unbelievable. <laughs> it is just beyond comprehension. And... Uh, so it's it's interesting how the victim, again, it's so disheartening to whistleblowers and victims, because my story 
shows how much the bad guys, if they're funded properly, can work the system against you relentlessly, especially when the government is involved right. in the bad behavior. Right. Then people's reputations are on the line, and they will start pulling favors and pulling information left and right. Well, you know, it's interesting these days we're hearing a, a whole lot about uh, the FBI thumbing their nose at any sort of congressional oversight. And the con- Congress is charged with overseeing uh, the FBI, but the FBI doesn't seem to care. And it sounds like we're getting the same thing with the FTC. And this is, you know, uh, another term we're hearing a lot about these days. And you can you can love Trump or hate Trump, but the, this idea of a deep state, this just confirms that. Yeah, because this is not new. What's new is that we're learning about it. It's not new. Uh, the reason we're learning about it isn't just because of Donald Trump, but the level of incompetence has gotten to such a tipping point. No one cared before because they didn't see the negative. You saw the occasional story where someone would finally find the resources to fight all the way to the Supreme Court, and the government would lose 9 nothing. That doesn't matter to the government. What the government wants is almost legendary story, so that whenever they knock on your door, you're quaking in fear, and your lawyer says, settle, settle, settle. So even if I win, you know, in 2022, the lawyers of other companies beat up by the government will be, look at what they did to LabMD, and they had such a weak case, and they did it anyway. So it's really going to take the public to really understand that You give people no election and no accountability and a lot of power. They know you can't get them, which is why the FBI comes up another Congress and agencies do. And honestly, there's a lot of people in Congress that keep that going because if if their brand is the government's wonderful, and if the government isn't wonderful, they don't have a job. And so they whistle past the graveyard. I think this is one of the key reasons why Trey Gowdy is leaving Congress. Because it's just too hard to take. If you're in law enforcement and you're around this, this level of hypocrisy and lying, and it's mostly whistling past the graveyard. It's mostly ignoring all of it when you know it's right there. That's hard for a lot of people to deal with. How many other lab MDs are out there that have gone through what that have that had their companies wrecked and lives destroyed because of this shakedown game between companies like Tyverse and and federal agencies like the FTC? Well, I don't know about healthcare uh, because I was the first, and this is also new, and I'm the first one that stood up. We're in the 11th Circuit now. We've been winning every way, but it's destroyed the company, and it's cost millions of dollars in legal costs that I've gotten pro bono because it's such an important case for the rest of the business community because I actually might end up reining in the power of the Federal Trade Commission. It's such a game usually. Usually big business loves to have small business destroyed by regulation, because that means there's less competitors coming up and nipping at their heels. So there's this relationship between big business and big law and government regulators, which is so ironic, because you'd think that's what liberals would rail against. Uh, but they don't well, that's the textbook, excuse me, Michael, but that's the textbook definition of fascism. Oh, yes, it is. It's a human condition. Mm. And, you know, and, and what's happened is, it, it turned into fascism because of Woodrow Wilson, because Woodrow Wilson started these agencies with the intent that they would be run by people that knew what they were doing about these technical topics. You want to have technology 
you know, the Industrial Revolution, the Medical Revolution. He didn't have science regulated by politicians. Fair enough. But he also didn't believe he was such a jerk. This guy was a real jerk. Oh, he was an avowed <laughs> really, racist. He was an avowed racist. He was. He was a terrible person, and he was a power monger, and he hated the separation of powers. And he built these agencies with autocracy, and that's what you get. That's, you know, that, and this is what he built. And, and uh, I'm guessing it's inside that club. It's a good gig, and people wouldn't blow a whistle on it. I'm guessing it's not just the FTC. Then there must be other. Uh, there must be federal agencies that are in on this shakedown. Oh, of course. I mean, it's how they all look at that. Look at the EPA. I mean, look at that poor couple. I think it was in Montana, Idaho, and you know they had water on their property, and they were going to get run out of town. I mean, look at the Bundys. But when when they took it all the way through uh, up to the Supreme Court, and they and they won nine nothing. I mean. You know, this is not partisan. The liberal justices are also absolutely appalled. But the game is this. You can't just stroll up to the Supreme Court. It takes a decade. It takes millions. Right, right. Every, you know, you're going about your life. You have your business. Ninety percent of the people are just going to go, I'm succumbing to a force greater than me. I'm running the other direction. I, I won't, you know, give it up. But, and I, I understand those decisions. Thirty-seven companies in a row, rolled right over the FTC before I put my foot down. I'm the first and only one that stood up to them all the way. Wyndham tried to stand up to them a little bit, but they ended up settling. Because once you get to the, just before you get to the big Article Three courts that the, that the government can't control, you know, they, they settle too. I mean, they do not want to be put up in front of courts. So it's all a game because the, uh, the government, you know, the Congresses of the past, of the 20th century, who have really you know, nailed us with problems in the 21st century, uh, built this system where you cannot go to a court about what an agency is doing to you until they're done doing it to you. That's like letting the bully beat up the school kids in the schoolyard and tying up, you know, the superintendent until it's time to leave recess. And, And by this time, everyone's beat up, and then you can do something. And that's the preferred thing. But People, by and large, don't understand it. That's why I wrote the book. It's written like a novel. I want people to understand this of why it impacts them, uh, that you can't have these type of bullies showing up on your door. And they, they have no boundaries. And they go after the small. They don't go after the big that often because they want jobs at the big companies. They're afraid of the big law pushbacks from the big companies. But by and large, they go after lambs to slaughter. And uh, the SEC does it, the EPA. I mean, oh, there's so many. Well, they picked the wrong crazy. lamb this time, Michael. All right, uh, stay put. We'll come back and continue uh, to discuss this horrible, horrible situation. Big government versus the little guy, Michael Doherty, devil inside the beltway. Back with more in a moment. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, Here's two more numbers, 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. The Devil in the Beltway. 
Michael Doherty is with me. The devil inside the beltway, excuse me. Uh, so if they're doing this to small businesses like yours, extorting you, first of all, breaching your security, stealing your cybersecurity, stealing files, uh, and then trying to extort you into um, their services, and then if you refuse, taking that to the FTC, where you're given two options, either cop a plea, destroy your company's re- reputation, or fight it in court, which leads to financial ruin, which it did in your case. Forty employees lost their job. Uh, what, I mean, who else are they doing it to? And I, and I, I remember the, uh, I'm reading this uh, story about this whistle, whistleblower, Mike, or Richard Wallace, who, who said that they also, Tyversa that is, and again, Wesley Clark was on their board of advisors, uh, they tried to convince the U.S. government that Iran was hacking into uh, the U.S. De- Defense Department, trying to hack uh, blueprints from uh, Air Force One or the Obama's helicopter, President Obama's a helicopter. helicopter. This is a kind of a backfire. This is why I think a lot of times the government doesn't want to push this. It's so unbelievable. Turned out it happened is that they broke into a, a, a consultant's workstation and, 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 and went into his computer in Maryland, and they had found a treasure trove of things from judges. And they downloaded uh, Supreme Court Justice Breyer's information, a lot of federal judges' information, and uh, Marine One. And what they do with this is they try to make money off of everything they could do. They, they try to build a, a, a fake crisis to be so that they'd be seen as the only solver of it. So instead of saying, hey, we found Obama's Marine One helicopter plan, which, by the way, they, found, they had right when he was, I don't know, president for eight weeks in 2009. Uh, instead, they created a fake IP address out of Iran, and with their media contacts, they broke a story that the media didn't vet. Now, we're learning now the media doesn't vet much, they, the media thinks things are moving so fast, they'll, they'll report now and apologize and correct later. And this maroon helicopter plan story just took off. I mean, it was on NBC News, you know, Evening News and The Post and all over the place. And it was like, oh, my gosh, Iran has our stuff. And, and it was all just a, a rattler to, to create this fake crisis so he could be seen as a solution. It's the old Hegelian dialectic. You create the disease in order to offer the cure. And then get paid for caring. Yeah, we, I mean, that's a term we throw a lot, around a lot on this show. And, but here's a prime example. But here's the thing. That could have caused an international incident. Oh, yeah, and, it's, and, and it could have caused an international incident, but since it didn't, makes people hide within the uh, system of Washington that doesn't hold each other accountable. And they, it's kind of like, you know, you cover up my back, I cover up yours, we're all in some big, small town here in 20 years, something might happen to me, and then you won't come after me. I just think it's a whole, I think it's like the Sopranos go to Washington. It's all... It's all a social code of how to cope and survive in that town. And that's why I find their self-righteous discussions about how wonderful they are really hard to take now. I mean, these people are just, just fools. I mean, <laughs> they're being made fools when you buy into this stuff, the self-righteousness. Um, you know, I would say if the FTC cared so much about medical patients and cancer patients, they would have learned about cancer. <laughs> You know, they would have learned, they would have wanted to 
come to the laboratory, which they refused to do. Uh, they, they, but they, they love this esoteric type of crap where they're saving the world. But all it is is it's the 16th century control of a crowd with a head on a spike for the 21st century. They just grab a company, they, they rip their reputation in the press, they, they publish everything they quote-unquote did wrong. No one, and I mean no one, looks at the allegations and tries to verify it. Even my own lawyers didn't do it. I made them, I made them go through and see that this, even the FTC commissioner's final ruling against me was packed full of absolute lies that could be proven in the court record they were lies. But it's shocking how nobody checks what the government says. And so they get off on this, this assassination of, 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 of character, and they use that as an example for all the other companies to learn what not to do and how to be co- compliant with cybersecurity expectations in the FTC. And that's what I call just head on a spike. Well, like, you, don't you s- do what LabMD did, and you'll be safe. And they think that's the greater good. They think I'm necessary carnage. I'm collateral damage for the greater good. That's how these people think. Right, right. It's Orwellian, uh, to be yep. sure. Now, but you said something. We're coming up on a break, and we'll pick up on this after the break. But you said something very interesting, and that is that, that these companies, like Tyversa, they will, they will fake an IP address. They will make it look like, you know, this file was somewhere out in cyberspace and they were able to, to, to retrieve it and you have a breach and so forth. So now I'm thinking back to this whole, you know, the DNC having their servers hacked, at least they claimed uh, they were, and, and but the FBI, you mentioned Trey Gowdy, I mean, I remember him being so outraged about this, learning that the FBI never actually looked to see for themselves who hacked the DN, uh, the DNC uh, server, and we're told, oh, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. But you just pointed out something very obvious, and that is these IP addresses can be faked. Who's to say that it wasn't Tyversa that hacked into the DNC server and then said, oh, there's a breach. It's the Russians. It's the Russians. And we take their word for it. We'll pick up on that point and uh, others. Michael Doherty is with us in The Devil Inside the Beltway. This is scary stuff. More scary than werewolves and UFOs and Bigfoot, I'll tell you that much. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Just a reminder, coming up in the next hour, activist, documentary filmmaker Matt Landman uh, will talk chemtrails. Franken Skies is uh, the name of his crowdfunded documentary. It's been out a few years. Uh, and uh, interesting guy because he makes it available. He's not in this for the money, you know. He he makes he, uh, he open sources this documentary, and anyone can see it. He's not in this, in this to make a buck. He's he's really trying to raise or create a groundswell of public awareness about geoengineering, 
And you can laugh and you can scoff, but as I mentioned, uh, I've mentioned many times, there's a Pulitzer Prize uh, out there waiting for some so-called journalist who, sh- with an ounce of what we used to call intellectual curiosity. You know, maybe it leads nowhere, but at least tug on the threads and see what happens. Um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll get to that uh, conversation a little bit later. Michael Doherty uh, stays with us, the author of The Devil Inside the Beltway. So, I'm wondering. You mentioned about uh, how. Tyversa could could uh, you know fake an IP address and make uh, a hack look like it came from somewhere else when it was them. So now I'm thinking about CrowdStrike, uh, and I don't know if CrowdStrike is basically uh, the same kind of company as Tyversa, but I'm remembering those. Uh, we're all remembering those um, those claims by the Democratic National Convention that their servers were hacked into, and uh, essentially we learned. Um, you know, Trey Gowdy, the, the House Oversight Committee, talking about how the FBI basically took CrowdStrike's word for it. Well, okay, so so let me say that Tyversa was involved in that because they were so decimated by that time, so Tyversa's on the table there. CrowdStrike, I happen to know a lot of people there, and I think they're a well-intentioned, good organization. Uh, the issue was it was the DNC that screamed about their stubbed toe but would no one, let no one look at the wound. Then they hire CrowdStrike, and then, you know, that's a private contract, and, they're, and the DNC controls all this. And then when CrowdStrike made a couple statements, they retracted them, and, and this is just how the game is played. But I wouldn't blame CrowdStrike, and I sure as heck would lay it all at the foot of the DNC, because this is all about creating a false narrative and gaslighting. Because here's the other thing that normal human beings don't get. Lying is normal in Washington. I mean, it is normal. And it is terrifyingly normal. It is just like a bunch of hollow heroes. And so it doesn't, you know, now that I've worked with so many people there, you either meet really passionate people that really get it and are there like happy warriors, or you meet the walking dead. I mean, the people that have really you know, they built their careers in that place, and they know there's no way out, and you don't make enemies. You, It's all eggshell walking, and it's a lot of fear-based and survival-based. And people, I mean, gosh, you know, people can get destroyed in an instant after years of good service. Look at Tom Price. Boom, gone. <laughs> you know, these people just, you know, it, it's a ridiculous amount of pressure, and Loyalty is, is an absolute gentle charade. So this is why Donald Trump, ironically, is so perfect. He's like the Frankenstein that, 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 that was created by that crowd. I mean, he totally knows what they're like, and that makes them crazy. And he pushes their buttons, and they can't help but bite. And um, I can't say it's okay, but everything I've learned in that town, I certainly understand. Because they're, um, it's tough to say, but they're that bad. How many, other tiverses, mm-hmm. how many other Tyverses are out there? Well, I think I was like the early, early ransomware. I was like the early ransomware. This, you know, they did it all really manually, right? Like, they used their software. They were working with the FBI. They used that software, the FBI, to hack in. Uh, you know, then, then they take the file physically. And, they're, you know, and they're working really slow motion but getting really big money, unlike these ransomware people now that have mass technology and you never meet them. You know? 
There's no phone call, you know. And so I think I think already Tyversa is antiquated and gone. But that doesn't mean that the same concept isn't going in just a different, more updated manner by other crooks. And now the crooks are outside the United States. You know, this is nothing more than, than ransomware uh, on speed now. And they were the slow-mo original ransomware. And I think that one of the reasons, I mean, people use all sorts of excuses to, to ignore this because it's like, oh, well, it was a decade ago. Well, that's how they get you. You know, you, you, the government screws up, and they, they, that's one of their offensive plays or defensive plays. Run the clock. Make it old. Drain you dry. I mean, they have their hand. The government has their hands around your ankles and will not let go to let you to get an Article Three court in time. And... You know, it, it's 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 a playbook that's repeated over and over and over by different agencies and in different situations. But all these games of slow walking, ignoring, um, you know, financially starving, uh, putting out press releases that kill your reputation, intimidating the press so they won't report it. That was one of Obama's biggest things is he just intimidated the press so that you didn't want to make an enemy over there. You either get hurt or you get choked off from story. I mean, these people are absolutely at war. Well, not only and, have these yeah. various federal agencies, we saw it with the IRS, uh, where they were, I mean, not only have they become politicized, they have become weaponized. Uh, and the IRS, of course, going after some conservative groups and some Christian groups and so forth. Right. I mean, that's that's a matter of fact. Uh, we now they know this was, it was weapon. absolutely Nixonian uh, what was yeah. going on there. Uh, and you just cited what's going on at the um, at the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, I mean, who, could they not do they not now have the power if they want to bring someone down because they become these agencies so weaponized and politicized and corrupt if they want to put, let's say, child porn on a political enemy's computer, they'll do it. Well, they don't have to do that. They they just have to run you on a... They just put you on the legal treadmill, and they run you till you drop. Uh, they have everything put in, and the only way to change this is to change those laws. And the only way Congress will change those laws is if the public demands it be changed. And this is why exposing the Democratic Party and the established Republicans are, is so important. And I was not a political guy, folks. This is not... You know, I was just helping diagnose cancer, you know, and suddenly I'm, I'm like this bad person in, in, in the press and, and because I'm standing up to, to, to the government. But they've got all sorts of tricks. They don't have to do that. Crazy. They, they've got so much power, they just, get, they just put you on the treadmill and let you run. And uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty terrifying. And a lot of people don't want to help you because they're afraid of reputation assassination. They're afraid of you know, retribution. They're, they're afraid they'll never get any place in a company. Uh, you know, a lot of companies uh, were afraid to hire me to speak because while they publicly want to thank me for all I'm doing for them in, in the FTC battle that they could benefit from to the tune of millions and millions of dollars and save regulatory costs should I win, I'm not going to get a public thank you from many of them, and I'm not going to get an invitation to be paid to consult. Uh, and this is part of the power that the government uses to dissuade people from just picking up your marbles and gently moving down the road. These companies like Tyversa that, uh, that are working uh, alongside federal agencies, have they been used, for example, to do you, I mean, this is all speculation, I suppose, but uh, do you suspect they've been used to 
to, to create, again, a false narrative that has then been taken to a FISA court. Again, the FCC isn't smart enough or good enough to do that, and they don't involve the FISA court. No, I mean, really, uh, with all, I really mean this. The FCC is like the B-level attorney that could never get into the Justice Department, <laughs> and so, and, and they really are. And you know, and I know that sounds terrible, but it's just a fact. And you wouldn't see the DOJ pulling that stuff. Uh, you know, you might you see it at the top, but. They have other methods, you know, with, with these politicized people to do. Again, it's 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 actually much simpler. It's just it's simply cronyism. It's relationships. It's people that have been in that town for two, three decades, and that's their life. And everyone else is an outsider. And it's it's all the relationship, like so many other business transactions. It's just transactional relationships, and it's the silent rules. And you just, you know. You, 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 you see, it's power versus power, and you tiptoe past the graveyard. Now, when someone like me shows up, that will basically, I could care less about having a career in Washington. I want nothing from those people. They utterly disgust me. I wouldn't, my life wouldn't be worthwhile if I had to be like them and I make it known. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Then they try to belittle you, say you're a conspiracy theorist, call you a one-off, drain you dry, uh, the media. I mean, look, some of the media really screwed up. You'll never see my company in the, in the Washington Post. The Washington Post is a complete puppet of the FCC because one of the investigative lawyers used to work there. And so they just trusted their friend and didn't vet anything. Well, they have and a huge so they, contract. They have a huge contract to make it to create this, cra- this cloud uh, for the FBI. Talk about a, a you know, um, conflict of interest. That's right. And that's right. And they worked, they, they, they burrow in and they worked the right people in Congress to slide that by. And then, you know, I mean, it's so very disheartening. They're, they're, it's, it's very disheartening. Again, it's a playbook used all over the place. And it, that's the big picture people have to understand. It's, it, you know, people talk, you know, Trump has ca- talked about draining the swamp, but it sounds like there, you can't drain the swamp because there's only swamp. Once you drain the swamp, there's nothing left. There's no Washington. It's only well, it's, it, it, people do have to understand it. Really, it didn't start with Obama. You know, it started with Woodrow Wilson. Obama just took the game and poured gas in the fire to make it so hot. But it will take way longer than one term or one president to turn it around. Uh, it will take, I look at all these protesting kids, and I'm thinking, my gosh, you know, the civics books have been removed from these kids. They don't even understand how government works. They're running on emotion. They're being manipulated. I love their passion. I love their saliency. And God help the government when these kids figure it out, because they'll turn that anger. And, and you know, the fact they'll come out and protest this is, is great, although I think it's incredibly misguided. And it, it, to me, it's the root is, is proper education, which has been pulled out of schools on, on the government and government history. And that's why some people are confused by this and can't recognize it when it happens. And then what happens when you have this critical mass of people that totally uh, lose faith in all government institutions, all federal agencies and so forth, then you've got a real problem on your hand. Uh, they're not just marching, and they're, it gets no, violent. Yeah, but look, <laughs> reap what you sow. I mean, I'm sorry we have to go through some pain to get healthy, but we have to go through some pain to get healthy because, you know, as time passes on, the 20th century is just going to be... Uh, it just was a terrible, terrible century of rooting so much 
uh, corruption. It really created such a, a mechanism that's in complete violation of what the country's founded on. And we are now in a country that is just people have to wake up. It, it, it's you, your freedoms can be removed. These unelected people have pounding power on you. They can and will destroy you. I always say, if they're going to destroy a cancer detection center with 700,000 cancer patients, why do you think they're not going to come after you? The Devil Inside the Beltway, the shocking expose of the U.S. government's surveillance and overreach into cybersecurity, medicine, and small businesses. Michael J. Doherty, thank you so much for this. Good talking to you, sir. When we come back, geoengineering. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station here in Toronto, Canada, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, and 96.7 FM. And hi to those catching us catching us on one of our affiliate uh, stations across North America, from Alaska to Texas, and from Oregon to New Mexico. Uh, hi to those of you who listen to the podcast. Uh, it's everywhere. Just Google it. It's everywhere. Uh, those of you take the uh, show with you wherever you go with the Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer Radio app, both free downloads. Uh, those of you who watch the live YouTube stream. Uh, oh, and incidentally, please hit that red subscribe button. We uh, we just crossed over the 7,200 subs mark and we're trying to get to 10,000. Help us out if you could. Finally, all of you loyal supporters who join us every week in the live stream chat. Weiwei and Gord Oland and You Betcha and Baji Kimron and Merlin Wild and, and all the rest of you. I, I know there are more of you and I didn't name you. I'll try to get to, to others. But thank you so much. However and wherever you're listening and watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, have you f- have subscribed to my new podcast yet? Both of them. I've got two of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and check it out. And then the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, which is part of the Jericho Network in association with Westwood One. New episodes drop every Wednesday at midnight. So if you like rock and roll and dark mysteries, I think you're going to love the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. Again, just Google it and uh, a bunch of different places pop up where you can listen and subscribe. Uh, But it's available just about everywhere. You know, UFO researchers and advocates have been pushing for some kind of official disclosure from governments for years. Uh, And finally, uh, it would appear that they're having some success. Witness the uh, New York Times article last December where a, a military whistleblower came forward with details of a secret Pentagon UFO study. A de facto admission. The U.S. government knows about UFOs and is concerned about them. So a a disclosure of sort. Well, one has to wonder 
if we'll ever get disclosure when it comes to chemtrails or geoengineering programs, if you prefer that term. We know the U.S. Defense Department has been trying to own the weather for decades. They even published a white paper about it, acknowledging this desire. It was called Owning the Weather by 2025. Many would insist they are way ahead of schedule. And many of you who listen uh, to this program every week have noticed those long white trails, often visible behind jets flying at high altitudes. Strange, lingering, so-called contrails crisscrossing the skies and then slowly spreading out until the entire sky is covered in a dull gray haze. Many of you, no doubt, have asked yourself, what are they spraying? Maybe you even called the local paper and asked to speak to a reporter about it, only to be laughed at derisively. Maybe you took the extra step and called Transport Canada and you were hung up on. Well, when are we going to get disclosure when it comes to chemtrails and geoengineering? I'm not holding my breath, but Matt Landman isn't just standing by idly. He's trying to create a groundswell of awareness with his crowdfunded documentary on this very subject. It's called Frankenskies. And he also organizes an annual geoengineering summit. The third is coming up this May. He's an activist, researcher, speaker, filmmaker, founder of ActualActivists.com. And again, his documentary about weather modification, geoengineering, and solar radiation management, again, is all um, laid out nicely in Frankenskies the Movie. You can go to frankenskiesthemovie.com and, and, to, and watch it. And again, the third annual Global Summit to Stop Geoengineering at the Gallagher Theater, Saturday, May the 12th, 2018, University of Arizona in uh, Tucson, And I know we've got uh, some affiliates down that way. So if you're listening, try and get out there and support that. Matt, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, Very well. Thank you. My pleasure. You know, um, I was um, was going back over some old articles. And uh, here's someone, one from MIT Technology Review. MIT Technology Review. And here's the headline. Harvard scientists moving ahead on plans for atmospheric geoengineering experiments. The climate researchers intend to launch a high-altitude balloon that would spray a small quantity of reflective particles into the stratosphere. Uh, And people can go on and uh, they can Google that and look it up for themselves. But here is an acknowledgement. They're thinking about it. Whenever I see something like that, they're thinking about it, doing it maybe sometime in the future. My red, all the red flags go up. That means they've been doing it for quite a while. What do you think? Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, what's the date on that? Is that a January 2017 article? March, uh, March 2017. Uh, MIT Technology Review. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm familiar. I have an update on my um, Gmail. Every time the word chemtrails, geoengineering, solar radiation management, anytime those terms come up on the internet, I'm notified. And so when that first um, started coming out through Harvard, um, I was bombarded with uh, all sorts of media outlets were spewing that information of they had a fix for global warming and if you if you look into it it's it's quite funny the way they um spoon feed it to the public what they say is first they decided they wanted to use mirrors 
and they were going to put mirrors up in space, but they couldn't figure out how to get them all to float the right way and all this stuff. Then they decided they were going to do diamond dust and reflect sunlight by using diamond dust, but diamond dust was too expensive. So then after realizing that sulfuric acid might kill too many people, now they found that nanoparticulate aluminum is quite inexpensive and it reflects particles perfectly. So that's what they're going to quote-unquote experiment with. There's a, there was another major geoengineering conference, I think, down in San Diego, maybe five years ago. You'll remember, you'll know that one better than I am, but, uh, but than I do. But uh, again, they were floating that idea back then. Well, we may have to start thinking about this in order to forestall, you know, global warming. And we, we may need to think about, you know, pouring hundreds and thousands of metric tons of aluminum particulates into the atmosphere, uh, you know, to prevent global warming. So again, they're telling us, they're telling us they're going to do this. Uh, and I, I, I always suspect, you know, when they're telling us they're going to, it means they already are. Um, so is it, here's the question I've always had regarding um, chemtrail spraying. And that is, how do you run a, uh, a mixture, a fuel mixture with aluminum particulates through a jet engine? Let's say you're using one of these big Hercules, uh, these C-1 transport planes or something like that. Uh, I mean, how do you, how do you, or even a commercial airline, uh, airliner, how do you run aluminum particulates through a jet engine without destroying it? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I haven't had that one in quite some time. Um, what I experienced where, a lot, where I live in Arizona and when I lived in, in British Columbia as well, a lot of it's drones with spraying going on. It's not really coming out of the, the jet engines. Okay. And then when, when it is um, commercial flights and, and um, it looks to be like it's spraying, there's fuel additives um, and in certain jet fuels that are like JP8, but I'm not super familiar with all of that. I do know that there's patented um, barium release um, uh, rocket technology, and these rockets go from the ground directly up, and they look kind of like a um, glider, and they release barium plumes, and those are just out of like these sprayer kind of things, and then they mix with different drones that have sprayers and. I wouldn't get too hung up on that aspect of it, but I would like to go back really quick while we're talking about the experiment. So here's the normalization agenda timeline that we're dealing with. Right. We, we've been over here debating over the word chemtrails, contrails, geoengineering, and all the while the tropospheric aerosol program was released in 2001. I, I heard you mention an amazing document, the Air Force document, talking about owning the weather by 2025. Yes. I would love it, I would love it if you would look up the tropospheric aerosol program through the Department of Energy of 2001. That's the TAP program. There they outlined the budget. They even spend $5 million that year on not getting caught um, unleashing their agenda to control solar energy and they they use all sorts of fancy words like precursor gases and they they grid the skies over a major city nashville tennessee and um the united states and they they set up everything their budget on all of it but they don't use the word chemtrails contrails or geoengineering because the terminology and everything the entire debate the entire narrative has been framed and ultimately it's to get us where we're at where now they're unleashing it as a solution to global warming so that they can control everything that we hold dear our sunlight, our air, our weather, everything as we know it. They're 
publicly saying that they're going to take control of it because they have, quote, exclusive rights to saving the planet. So what has happened is a small group of, quote unquote, scientists with Bill Gates and other globalists involved, they have come together and set up what's called a solar geoengineering governance regime. They considered things like, should we even consider public health when we launched this regime? But they claim they have exclusive rights to saving the planet. That's a paper. That's another paper you can look up. The exclusive rights of saving the planet through geoengineering uh, patents. And what they claim is they have the ability and they shouldn't have to follow any laws and that they need to launch full-scale deployment immediately to block out the sun everywhere, to dim our skies, to, to whiten the skies, no more blue skies for anybody anywhere ever. And they want to um, mimic a volcanic eruption. That's what they call it. They're calling it a um, Mount Pinatubo effect. Mount Pinatubo, it erupted in, in the Philippines in 1991. Right. And uh, supposedly, according to science, the sulfuric dust, all the dust went in the atmosphere all over the planet, and the global mean temperature declined approximately one degree Celsius. Well, they claim they want to mimic a volcanic eruption, but with a, aluminum or something else that they might experiment with. But we all know it's aluminum because it's already showing up in the rainwater. But if we want to play the game of the official narrative, that's the story. And so they want to launch full-scale deployment and do it everywhere all the time. They say that their experiment won't even work unless they do it everywhere all the time and mimic a volcanic eruption and spray the skies everywhere all at once. But first, they have to have their experiment. So they're having the experiment to basically get consent from the public because our silence is somehow our consent and this weird dystopian, I don't, my, I, don't, I don't even want to live on this timeline anymore. But for some reason, all of a sudden, if you don't speak up, you're consenting to things. That's the world we now live in. Right. But either it's way. It's the negative billing option. We, used, we call it up here in Canada. Uh, Matt, hold on. We'll come back. And incidentally, uh, uh, Matt is correct. It's uh, the Tropospheric Aerosol Program, March 2001, the Department of Energy. Uh, and I'll read you a little bit of the, uh, the foreword. Uh, from Dr. Ari Patrinos, Associate Director of Biological and Environmental Research, Office of Science, U.S. Department of Energy. It's, uh, it's quite a title, and wait till you hear this. Back with more. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. Chari Kroplan tweets, I am an airline pilot. Contrails are frozen ice nuclei. When I look up at contrails, they look white. When I look down on contrails from a higher altitude, they look black. It's not chemicals. Sorry. All right. Um, now, thanks to uh, Matt Landman for uh, setting us on to this tropospheric aerosol program that was uh, this paper, this study, released in March of 2001 by the Department of Energy. And let me let me just read here quickly from the... What's his title again? Associate Director for Biological and Environmental Research, Office of Science, U.S. Department of Energy, Dr. Ari Petrinos. Uh, the Department of Energy and its predecessor agencies, the Atomic Energy Commission and the Energy Research and Development Administration, have a long and enviable record of accomplishment in the science of atmospheric aerosols. Uh, 
This research, which had its genesis in the study of fallout from atmospheric weapons testing, has found valuable new application in understanding the environmental effects of fossil fuel combustion and allied energy-related activities. Now, consistent with the nation's desire to preserve and enhance our environment and minimize the risk to human health and welfare from atmospheric pollutants... The atmospheric science research community faces a new challenge to develop sensible and effective strategies to achieve the new National Ambient Air Quality Standard for Fine Particles, the so-called PM2.5 standard. Achieving, <clears throat> excuse me, achieving this standard in a way that will have minimum impact on the nation's ability to meet its energy requirements requires a much more compli- complete understanding of the processes governing the loading, composition, and microphysical properties of these aerosols than is now available. Just bear with me now. Fine particles are implicated in another important issue that may affect the nation's energy economy, namely climate change. Fine particles scatter solar radiation, decreasing the amount of the sun's energy that is absorbed by the planet and thereby exerting a cooling influence on climate. The magnitude of this influence is not known for certain, but certain estimates indicate that it is comparable to the warming influence of increased concentrations of greenhouse gases and may consequently be offsetting a major fraction of the greenhouse warming that would otherwise have been experienced over the industrial period. So here they're telling us they're going to start experimenting. This is in 2001 by spraying fine particles into the atmosphere in order to ameliorate the effects of global warming. And that was... 2001, that's 17 years ago, folks. Uh, But we can all relax. This report was printed on recycled paper. All right. Um, So, Matt, thank you again for that. Now, you mentioned another study. Uh, What was that one uh, in conjunction with this one, this um, Department of Energy study? Um. I, d- I don't recall. Uh, oh, the the barium. Re- no, I don't. I don't recall. I'm sorry. Yeah, my apologies. I I um, I was just talking too long, and I, and I I got you side railed there. <clears throat> um, right. But I can I can continue. What I what I was talking about was this experiment that was going to unfold, and the an entire unfolding of the agenda at hand. So what we've ha- what we've witnessed is over just the past year. There has been a complete shift into, you can tell your flight attendant who commented, it's no longer a conspiracy theory. There is no theory behind it. It is being launched publicly as a solution to global warming. And the media is literally showing us chemtrail photos saying, this is what we're going to do to save you. So let's just talk the, the, the time for conjecture and arguing over ice crystals. That time is over now. OK, flight attendant woman. So let's go into the present tense. The present tense is there is an experiment. It is being launched in Tucson this year, Tucson, Arizona. I moved my family from Vancouver, British Columbia, after having made Frankenskies the movie. Please check it out, frankenskiesthemovie.com. Frankenskies is on YouTube as well. And I even interviewed uh, former premier of British Columbia, Bill Vanderzam, in the film. And he um, is totally outraged about the chemical spraying and knows all about it. So there's some, for the Canadians that want to see a politician talking about it, there you have it. And we came down to Arizona for this experiment. We're now living in Arizona to have the third global summit to stop geoengineering. 
along with having a protest and bringing awareness and scrutiny to this experiment. If this experiment goes according to plans, the solar geoengineering governance regime, a regime put in place, a self-proclaimed regime to block out the sun, okay? This isn't just a theory that flight attendants get to scoff at anymore, all right? I'm, I'm done attacking her. I'm sorry about that, but, 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 ser- but <laughs> I, actually, seriously. I think it was a he. I think he said he was a, he was a pilot. I don't know what kind of a pilot. Oh, he, He's lying. He's a girl. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so, um, but, but seriously, it's, and I can tell you why the people um, have no um, ability to even think that it could even be going on. And I've thought about it and I've thought about it because I've devoted my life to this and I'm trying to get every intricacy down. And as I'm meeting people on the street and doing these shows, I've been able to narrow it down into this. It's, it's a compartmentalization indoctrination, and need-to-know basis. It's actually not in that order. It's The, the order is indoctrination, compartmentalization, need-to-know basis. And that's how people get away with doing their job and not having to worry about the fact that maybe their plane is spraying people and maybe their Air Force friends are spraying people or whatever it may be because they're not connected to the overall thing. They're being told that they're saving the world from global warming. So if this experiment goes down according to plans in Tucson, Arizona, they're going to go up in a balloon. The balloon's going to hover over Arizona with actually a um, tube going to the ground, two canisters of chemicals. It's not even like the balloon has to carry the payload. It's hovering with a tube. And then the tube will spray different chemicals in the sky to see which ones work best to block out the sun. They just happen to be using different variable sizes, nanoparticulate sizes of oxidized aluminum. Lo and behold, that's what's showing up in our rainwater. That's what's showing up in the geoengineering patents for a couple of decades. That's what's showing up in the trees and everywhere. The bees are colony collapse disorder from it. Even the, um, even the different plants that are being researched by the Department of Agriculture and the lichen, pardon me, the lichen are showing up with toxic levels of aluminum because they're getting their nutrients through the air. They breathe the air and get their nutrients, and all they're getting is aluminum from all this aerosolized aluminum that's already being sprayed. But either way, let's talk about the present tense. If they, their experiment goes well and they find the solution, which they claim to be the solution, which is to dim the sunlight to save us from this heating that is supposedly going on, then they want to launch full-scale deployment and do that everywhere from balloons and from planes and have no more blue skies for anybody on Earth anymore for, they say, a few years until they get to see if it's working or not. But aren't they doing that now? But aren't they doing that now, Matt? I mean, isn't this a a canard, this idea that they're going to do this experiment? They're, They're... they're just they're climatizing us. Excuse the pun. They're 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 sort of acclimatizing us to this idea that they're going to do this. But they've been doing it, haven't they, for decades? Well, if you see my film Frankenskies, they've been gearing up for this um, for almost a century. But um, I, I like to speak in the present tense so that I can um, even get people like that flight attendant on my side because a lot of people aren't ready to wake up to this. It's a very small percentage. I I know you know about um, the demographic of the people in the world that we live in, and most people aren't ready to wake up to much, especially something so grandiose and traumatic as this. But this is the truth. And if we don't act and speak up 
our voices will be too late in the not too distant future. The one thing that I want everyone to take away from listening to this show is the next generation. I don't care if you want to sit and play video games, okay? It's your bloodline. It's your ancestry. All of the work that has been done to get us to where we're at, your ancestors fought for you to get here. And we're one generation away from children who don't get to know what a blue sky is like, okay? It's up to us to come together for the children. It's not about, oh, his ego and this conspiracy and this and that. It's about the future of humanity. How, mon- how many tons, metric tons of aluminum particulates would they need to put into the atmosphere? And have you seen any calculations, any estimates in order to forestall this global warming bogeyman? Uh, David David Keith he definitely David W Keith is the guy he's from he's from Calgary and then he went to Harvard but he was educated and grew up in Calgary um, and he's this Harvard professor and he's their primary solar geoengineer he has shown the different how many metric how many tons I, I don't remember off the top of my head he even puts a dollar amount on it annually which I believe was only 20 billion or only I think it might have been 100 billion pardon me but either way all of that is just manipulation of the narrative to tell people that this problem reaction solution agenda is all is our only choice which it's not they're creating the problem with ionospheric heating technology the thing about this big global warming climate change discussion is the huge elephant in the room which is Weather engineering, which is ionospheric heaters, okay? So for the people listening, I know a lot of you have heard of Nikola Tesla and frequency manipulation, and HARP HARP is is something that a lot of people know about. It's an acronym, H-A-A-R-P. It stands for Highly Active Auroral Research Program. Right, we've done a number of shows on that, yeah. Terrific. Yeah, it's an antenna array in Alaska, and they put the antenna's focus at a focal point in the atmosphere where the chemtrails are administered, and then they can superheat the atmosphere with with frequency. Well, they've taken that technology, and they've shrank it, and they've put it all over the place. So there's ionospheric heaters all over the place. Like, I'm talking even to the degree that there's 20, 30 of them in the United States. There's, they're all over the world. And they superheat portions of the atmosphere to steer around weather and to make storms and to curve the jet stream or to create drought and to just play God with our weather without our consent, without any scrutiny or transparency whatsoever. And then when we talk about global warming, the heating of the atmosphere isn't even taken into consideration. Okay, so to have that conversation, we have to go there for one. And then two, through the problem reaction solution scenario, this Hegelian dialectic that they've created, their solution to it is the exact problem. The exact thing that we're up against is their solution, spraying the skies and creating the greenhouse effect and then superheating it with these ionospheric heaters to get the metallic particles to suspend in the atmosphere. And they're going to do that and it's going to heat the planet. And then they're going to say that they have to do it more to save us. How is that okay? This is our everything. What is the connection between uh, skyrocketing uh, Alzheimer's cases and Parkinson's? And and uh, at heart uh, heart attacks, for example, after you know we hear reports after some of these springs in, in California, uh, you know the, the the trips to emergency for heart attacks and so forth just it, it just spikes. Has anyone done a study, um, sort of correlating or or at least comparing the uh, when there's a lot of spring activity to 
to uh, increases in uh, in Alzheimer's and, and these sorts of things? Uh, there's an activist stop. Um, his website is stopsprainus.com. Patrick Roddy, and he's been digging really deep into the um, death records and. It's really amazing how much information is hidden from people who are inquiring. And another thing, that I was really impressed that you looked up that tropospheric aerosol program document so fast. Thank you, by the way. And one thing that I would encourage you to also look up is the word thunderstorm asthma. Did you ever catch those headlines, thunderstorm asthma? I have not heard of that before. So, thunderstorm asthma. So, so if you watch my film, Frankenskies, you'll see that the, uh, it's just it's just quite insane that a whole dozen 12 new clouds were introduced just in the past year and they're all part of the geoengineering agenda they're each one some sort of aerosolized nanoparticulates and they're calling them different cloud names as they normalize the agenda to tell us that this is our solution to uh, to everything and then they're going to end up charging us for it through the carbon um agenda, but that's just a whole other story. But if you look at this thunderstorm asthma, you've got people having orange clouds come in and then they're dropping dead on the street from what's barium. It's, it's too much barium. They're spraying too much barium and they had to make up a whole name for it. I encourage you to look that one up. There you go. It's a thing, folks. It's, an, it's a thing. Thunderstorm asthma, the triggering, triggering of an asthma attack by environmental conditions directly caused by a local thunderstorm. Sure. All right, back with more of my conversation with Matt Landham. And uh, the movie is Frankenskies the Movie. Check it out, frankenskiesthemovie.com. Frankenskiesthemovie.com. Back with more. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome. Matt Landman is with us, activist, filmmaker, frankenskiesthemovie.com. If you want to check it out, frankenskiesthemovie.com. You mentioned... Something very interesting. Well, you've mentioned a lot of very interesting things, but you, a word in particular that I sort of latched onto, and that was compartmentalization. Uh, because a gentleman we've had on the program a couple of times, uh, J. Marvin Herndon, um, has when when describing geoengineering, he's referred to this as the New Manhattan Project, the New Manhattan Project. And people always say, "Well, how do you keep these things uh, a secret?" And and uh, you can't keep such operations a secret that's why conspiracies don't happen and uh, one of the great examples of how you can do that is the Manhattan Project through compartmentalization over 600,000 people worked on the Manhattan Project and uh, yes eventually it leaked out and then the Russians got word of it but for during its peak years nobody knew about it the wives uh, of the, of the the scientists and and uh, you know not to be sexist but let's you know predominantly they were men male scientists working on the Manhattan Project. This is back in the forties. Six hundred thousand employees. Now at its peak at one time about one hundred and twenty five thousand, but cumulatively about six hundred thousand people worked on the Manhattan Project and and the wives didn't even know. So, what do you think of that analogy? The new Manhattan Project, uh, Matt. 
I love it. And um, that was then when there was actually um, investigative journalists that weren't all controlled. Imagine what it's like today when all of the media and everything that we're exposed to is is completely controlled with all of the censorship that we're seeing and this Operation Mockingbird from the CIA in full effect. And this it's a, basically a complete attack on discernment. We don't even know up from down at this point, but none of the information is getting out. So, yeah, I love the analogy. A lot of people don't don't even know about half the things that are going on. There's even public programs that people don't know about, such as the CARE program. It's... Um, CARE stands for Charged Aerosol Release Experiment, and that program is through good old trusted NASA, who NASA has a budget of $52 million per day, daily budget of $52 million, and they have a fleet of planes that make noctilucent clouds, they call them noctilucent clouds, and they publicly do it. They mix barium, aluminum, strontium, nanoparticulate, oxidized, aerosolized versions of these poisonous heavy metals that we should not have in our our air, our ozone, any of this. None of it should be up there. And they, quote, use the atmosphere as a laboratory. That's a NASA quote, that they use the atmosphere as a laboratory. And this is a public pro- – you can Google it. You can just – it's right there. And still, no one knows. So imagine if they really wanted to be covert and black ops after 9-11. Mind you, the tropospheric aerosol program, that document, it came out in 2001. And then a few months later was 9-11. So no one's thinking about no one's thinking about chemtrails at that point. They're thinking about terrorism and all that stuff. But after 9/11, half of the budget went black ops. The people, the congressional members, those people signing these huge checks, they don't even know where that money is even going. So we've got public projects like the CARE program Again, shrouded in all of these different terminologies, we've got solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injections, the CARE program, and all these different projects, all of them not using the word chemtrails, but all of them actually chemtrails and then demonizing the, the word chemtrails through their controlled narrative. It's, it's, quite a, it's, it's quite a task, and they've done an amazing job at controlling the dialogue. Uh, I mentioned um, Dr. Um, um, Marvin Herndon, who, who's calling this the New Manhattan Project. Do you do you follow Dr. Herndon? Are you in communication with Marvin Herndon at all? Uh, yeah, I went down to San Diego when I first started digging into this. Um, there's not a name in the whole Kim Trail book that I haven't um, – because I, I, I've literally devoted my entire existence to this. This wasn't my life. Like I didn't really expect, or I didn't, I did not expect to wake up to to a world like this in my thirties, no less, and have this complete um, shift in perspective and 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 life ambition and everything. And so here I am. Um, that was three years ago. I went down to San Diego and interviewed J. Marvin Herndon and talked to him about all of it. And he opened my eyes to the – well, first of all, he talks about the coal fly Yeah, that's that, what I was going to ask you about that. How do you feel about it's coming up. It's coming up in the rainwater. And this opens up an amazing segue back to that tropospheric aerosol program, Department of Energy. So once I started really going with it and doing all these different um, conferences and getting around, I had different people approaching me saying – that they knew exactly where the trains were taking it and what and all this stuff and these trains were going directly from coal burning power plants 
full of this sludge and they were going di directly to Air Force bases. And these people were talking about um, even like stopping these trains and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, this has got to be something I should look into. So we started following the money and I talked to these different researchers and come to find out the Department of Energy is just so involved in this. It's not even, it's not even funny. So Matt, it, I got to jump so in. Deep. Apologies. Yeah. Got to take a quick timeout. We'll come back and we'll continue to talk about coal fly ash and aluminum particulates and uh, geoengineering. Back with Matt Landman, frankenskiesthemovie.com. Stay with us. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Frankenskiesthemovie.com. Check it out. How long ago did you make that movie, Matt? Um, it was released in June of 2017. And, and really what was funny about that is we were right on the verge of some incredible shift in um, censorship online. Okay, I was, I was getting traction online, as were a lot of other truth speakers. And little did I realize that I was one month away from the breaks on everything. So I released, I was just chomping at the bit to get the film out. I released this director's cut, which is the version that's on YouTube right now. And I've got frankenskiesthemovie.com with a slightly newer version. And what it was is I just wanted to get the information out immediately. I thought that I was going to be making a film telling people that chemtrails existed, you know? So there wasn't much of a timeline. There wasn't, I wasn't going to run out of time or anything. I was just going to say, hey, look, you guys really have to look at the skies. Like, what's going on? And finally, as the film reached almost completion, all of a sudden this agenda came out with these new clouds and this agenda to normalize it and to tell us that the, there's, con that there's federal funding going towards Harvard research to block the sun with what looks exactly to be exactly what I was telling, trying to tell people existed. So it was a blessing and a curse. So I had to shift in that direction and, and change my story a little bit. But let's get back to the Department of Energy because that yeah. it, it, is, it is an amazing... Coal fly ash, um, yeah. It is an amazing thing once you start putting it together. And once the, the puzzle pieces come together, it's like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Think about it. You've got these oil and coal companies, these rich, these rich, evil people that pollute the environment. They don't care about us. And you've got solar power coming along and it, the solar wafers are getting more efficient and people are, are utilizing the sunlight and they don't want us to be able to do that. So for one, they were like, okay, well, let's, let's block out the sun and we can nip that in the bud and then we can actually get control of everything. And whoever wants blue skies will have to pay us lots of money or whatever because they're evil, I guess. And then on top of that, they have coal fly ash and they didn't know what to do with it. So when you have coal burning power plants, which are, there's a lot of them, especially in the United States, they burn the coal and the coal ash, I'm sorry, the coal soot, once it's burned, the smoke goes through the smokestack, but there's a filtration process. And when it's filtered, there's this disgusting, toxic sludge that they wash out that's all nanoparticulate, 
all these disgusting things. And these same signatures are coming up in the rainwater on heavy spray days, according to the research of the J. Marvin Herndon. But what's really staggering is the the, the trains are going directly to the Air Force bases from those facilities. So you've got the Department of Energy who also – now it gets even more interesting because in this weather engineering, controlling the weather program that has gone into the private sector now and it's not just the U.S. Air Force trying to control it all, they actually make fake weather and clouds through the plumes of the power plants. And I know this sounds far-fetched, but this is actually happening. These these power plants can dictate when they release moisture plumes, and the plumes are gigantic. And suppose, say, Hurricane Harvey was coming over to Houston, and they wanted to juice the storm and make it twice and three times as big and keep it fueled. They can selectively determine when they release these gigantic moisture plumes and what locations. And it's actually part of the entire agenda that controls the weather in the United States, at least. So you've got that. And then you've got the refinement process, the Air Force Base. They can just pull the nanoparticulate cadmium, cadmium, aluminum, strontium, barium, all these dirty um, metallics. They're the byproduct of burning the coal. So they don't even have to go out and get it. So the Department of Energy just dishes it to the U.S. Air Force and they just work together in spraying the skies to control everything. And now they're trying to convince the world that their evil scheme is actually the solution to another problem that they actually made up too. You know, it's it's interesting that uh, so they're taking this byproduct of coal-fired uh, plants, this coal fly ash, uh, and then they're dumping that back in the in the uh, in into the uh, the atmosphere. It, uh, they got they got to get rid of it somehow. They got to use it somehow. Well, here's something useful we can do with it. It's almost like you know the um, the uh, the aluminum uh, the byproduct from or sorry the fluoride the byproduct from making aluminum. They got permission to dump that into the water because uh, they had to get rid of it. They had to do something with it. And then you have the, the fluoride uh, combining with aluminum. Uh, it, uh, it somehow it, it bonds uh, and, and combines with oxygen. And this is what's being found in Alzheimer's patients. So it's just like they just keep, you know, creating this garbage and then feeding it back to us. It's like, uh, you know, circus animals eating, them, eating their own feces or something. It's just horrible. No kidding. And it's really important. And I'm glad that you brought that up, brother, because the fluoride is a really important part of the agenda. And so now I'd love to segue into how you can empower and inspire yourself with this knowledge to actually take your health into your own hands and be the best that you can be with the truth, because the truth really, it sets you free. Don't let it don't let it upset you. I know when you really wake up to all of it, it is a little upsetting, but ultimately it's it's part of the empowerment process. So one thing really important to avoid is that fluoride. You have to have the water needs to be reverse osmosis. It can't just be filtered. If it's got fluoride in it, you need to get it out. Also these teas and the kombuchas and sodas and all these things is fluoride in it, the toothpaste. You got to make sure there's no fluoride in that because the fluoride you don't realize this. It plays a very important role in escorting that aluminum into your brain. The right. aluminum that you're being sprayed with, nanoparticulate levels in the air, the aluminum that you're exposed to in your deodorants and other foods and all this stuff, it gets in your bloodstream but doesn't pass your blood-brain barrier. After you're an infant, you have a blood-brain barrier. And 
fluoride it pass it can pass that and it actually escorts the aluminum past your blood brain barrier and like i say in my film frankenskies and patrick roddy researcher uh, discloses that alzheimer's is now the leading cause of death in the uk that is staggering i mean for history it's been heart attack and cancer and all this now alzheimer's is leading cause of death in the uk they get sprayed like bugs over there and it's with this nanoparticulate aluminum it's killing the bees it's killing the humans it's killing the plants and we can't we can't let it go down so first of all take the health into your own hands start to experiment with different chelation methodologies look it up chelation c h e l a t e that's chelate and you can you can do it with spirulina you can do it with corella you can do it with bentonite clay or zeolite clay, even cilantro helps, asparagus really helps pull these heavy metals out of your body. Like get the heavy metals out of your body and then learn that you need to mineralize. Everybody is mineral deficient. If you eat or have ever eaten sugar in your entire life, you are magnesium deficient. Every molecule of sugar that you ingest, it takes 54 molecules of magnesium to process that one molecule of sugar so it's a 54 to 1 ratio it's wild look it up and we really need that we need magnesium and it's not very bioavailable in the sources that we can get it from such as chocolate and greens and what have you but chlorophyll is really important the central atom in the chlorophyll molecule is magnesium so get your greens get them I've got a juicer, you know, but like do what you can and get mineralized. You can get these colloidal monatomic elements. They're plant-based and they even have these metals in them. The noble metals especially, the gold, palladium, silver, all that stuff. We need that stuff. Our food and our soil no longer has it. It's so depleted. Our soil is so depleted. You know what's interesting though? Tie this all in back to the aluminum and that is the Mm -hmm. aluminum alkalizes. I always have trouble with that word alkalizes the soil. So what is Monsanto doing? They're creating these plants that thrive in alkalized alkalized soil. So that kind of brings it full circle. Uh, And just just if if I can um, just finish really quick and also, yeah, think about alkalinizing your body and research Dr. Sebi, S-E-B-I. But ultimately, the mineralization is so important and I'll end with this because if you're mineralized, your body isn't absorbing these toxins from the air so if you're up to date if you're up to speed with your minerals from getting the minerals from a supplement and taking care of your body you won't absorb the chemtrails that are being sprayed on you and you won't get alzheimer's and you won't get sick because you're you're not mineral deficient i actually i had that backwards the the, the aluminum acidifies the soil uh, no it a- alkalinizes it surprisingly yeah oh all right. Yeah, All it's right. Uh, you want to be alkaline in your body, but not in your soil. Okay, got. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us about uh, the uh, the big um, global summit to stop geoengineering coming up in uh, May. Okay, so like I was saying, I moved down from Vancouver, Canada, to Arizona to host this conference to bring scrutiny and transparency and awareness to this launch of a balloon that's going to spray aluminum in the skies over Tucson to save us from global warming, to launch this agenda, to put us on this timeline, to having full-scale deployment, Mount Pinatubo effect, where the sun is blocked out in a couple years, and the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation after that, don't get to ever see blue skies. 
Okay, so I am hosting an event on May 12th at the university there at the Gallagher Theater. I have a website for it, stopgeoengineeringtucson.com. Tucson is spelled Tucson, T-U-C-S-O-N, for people that don't know. And what we're going to do on May 12th is we're going to come together. We've got the best speakers on the topic. We've got Ilana Freeland, myself. We've got Clifford Karnakam, and I've got music and other speakers. Patrick Roddy will be there. We've got a nurse speaking and people talking about all of the truth that is behind how we got to where we're at and how to move forward in a direction of scrutiny and transparency where the human right to a say in environmental decision-making is actually taken into consideration. So I'm going to follow it up with a Mother's Day protest out front of the media station. We're going to the major news broadcaster in Tucson. We're going to have a protest. We're going to have signs that say we do not consent to solar geoengineering. We're going to have signs that say we demand unbiased media coverage because we can at least start there and have the media tell the world that we do not consent. And then ultimately, we're going to have enough momentum so that when they do have their experiment in Tucson, we're going to rally and show the world through our protest that we do not consent to this. Well, that's the key. I mentioned UFO disclosure off the top and how they finally, you know, they've pushed that needle with that New York Times article in December. That's what we need in this in this arena as well with the geoengineering is to have one brave uh, news gathering organize uh, news gathering organization, one brave reporter journalist who actually sort of breaks through that glass ceiling and writes a serious article about this. There's, as I said, there's a Pulitzer Prize waiting for someone to do that. Yeah, I think the chemtrails is, is the most important thing facing humanity. Um, as, far, as far as if you really get into the nitty gritty, we have to do something about it. I have this whole story about the monarch butterfly that I'll spare you. But what happens with the monarch butterfly is each generation is so important. If they don't make it to their next gen- generation, they don't set the stage for the next generation to even have a species. Okay, we're talking about the future of our species. This isn't anything less than that. So it's our time to come together, set aside our differences, and tell the world that we do not consent to solar geoengineering before it's too late. Frankenskiesthemovie.com. Matt, a real pleasure. We'll have you on again. Thank you. Thank you. My thanks to uh, Ian, Albert, and Ryan. Back next, next week with uh, Preston Dennett. Underseas UFO bases and Angela Thomas psychic. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed. Nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.